Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. How do you see the world these days? While there are encouraging things such as medical breakthroughs, new ways of getting food and water to people, there is also much to be concerned about. In the midst of such times, many people are not right with God. This was the situation in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel knew it was almost time for God's people to leave Babylon and go back home, but he also knew many of the people were not ready. But Daniel also knew because of the power of God, it was not too late. Here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Encouragement for the Journey Home. So how do you see the world these days? Some of you are laughing. I know some people who are the eternal optimists and they see it very positively, but most people seem to be very worried, very concerned, all the way to some people seem sad, some people seem depressed. Others are full of all kinds of speculation and even conspiracy theories. Yet there are some important things I think God wants followers of Jesus to remember. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, thank you for joining us and hope you get a chance to meet you or you'll write to me this week here at the church. If you're watching online or if you're here, you can write to me during the week. But as I think there's a few things, important things that God wants followers of Jesus to remember, especially for all of you who are or know someone who is giving up hope at this time in history. It's easy to feel like the coming of the kingdom of God, or we might say the completion of that coming, is taking too long. When we studied 2 Peter, we came across this verse, 2 Peter 3, 4. Where is the promise of his coming? People were starting to say, ah, he's not back yet. Jesus isn't coming yet after he ascended into heaven. And then now I remember the old expression that we have, that minutes seem like hours when you are waiting for someone. Then we drop down 2 Peter 3.8. Peter says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing while you're waiting, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Now, some of you are like, that is not very helpful at all, Pastor Jim, so thanks a lot. Well, in Daniel chapter 9, the chapter opens with Daniel's great prayer from verses 1 through 19, and it concludes with one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible from verse 24 through 27. Verse 24 through 27 are among the most debated in terms of meaning in the entirety of the Bible, and I'm okay with that stuff when certain things are not that clear. But to me, there's something much bigger than the debate over what those verses mean. And it basically comes down to this. We live in a world that does not know Jesus. And maybe it's growing older. Maybe it's maturing in my faith. Maybe it's just seeing how very lost and hurting our world is. But the fact that there are so many people that don't know Jesus is just something that just keeps pressing on my heart. And so many of you have said to me, we've really noticed in the last year and a half, there seems to be more urgency in your preaching. 
And I don't know if that's true or not. I always felt that it was there, but there's just a lot of people that don't know Jesus. You see, a lot of people want to debate a lot of the finer points of the faith, but for a true follower of Jesus, what we have in common, I truly believe with all of my heart, is far more important than our differences. We are blood-bought brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is something we always have to keep out uh, in, in front of us. That family bond which drives us to the work of spreading the gospel and making disciples, which is becoming a lost art of making disciples, I believe is more important than what we think of getting the exact timing right of the end times. The scene here in Daniel 9 is the Babylonian captivity or the Babylonian exile from Judah, from Jerusalem, from southern Israel to Babylon because of the people had broken their covenant with God and God had told them, if you continue in this way, I'm going to send you down there. Well, that exile time, that 70-year exile time, this is very important to remember, it's almost over and it's time to go home. Time to go back home to Jerusalem. But God's people are still in a bad way. Yes, God is going to keep his promise and let as many that want to go home go home, but a lot of them are not going to go home because they are in a bad way. Many of the people of God were not right with God. Many of them, you could say, especially their kids, because Babylon was all they knew. And many of God's people looked more like Babylonians than they looked like Hebrews. I fear that many people in the church in America look more like Americans than they do look like followers of Jesus. Today we see a lot of people backing off their faith. And as I talk with people that... It sure seems that way. They don't see it. They don't even know it or realize it. In the United States, the past 20 months, and even before that, true, but life has been hard for those who are not all in with Jesus Christ. That's why you have a lot of followers of Jesus. They seem to not be making it because if you weren't all in before this, you're probably struggling right now. And as I've said to you time and time again since this whole thing began, my goal is to get every single one of you in this room, in other parts of the building, watching online, listening on the radio, my goal is now, my marching orders, I think, from God are very clear that I am to get everybody all in to the best of my ability with God's help. And there's going to be some people that is going to say, I don't want to be all in. It's okay. That's between you and God. I intend to stand before him and say, I did the best I could with the abilities that you gave me. And so pray for me that my pedal stays to the metal and I'm flooring it until God calls me home. For those of you that feel like you're not all in, I just want to let you know it's, it's not too late. It's never too late. 
See, in between the amazing verses of chapter 9, the prayer and the prophecy, are these four verses that remind us of things that most of us already know. Sometimes in the Bible, we learn by what is directly told to us. Other times, and the same thing is true in life, other times we learn by observation. So today I want us perhaps more to learn by observation. These are simple things and things that many of us are tempted to gloss over and say, well, I didn't really learn anything new today. If anybody says that to you on the car ride home, just say, that's fine. How are you doing with it? And so people gloss over it to get to the prophecy of verse 24 through 27. But I believe with all of my heart that these four basic concepts that we are going to talk about today, if we don't keep them out in front of us, like it was for the Israelites going back from Babylon to Jerusalem, it will be a very long, hard, seemingly powerless journey home. The title of our message today is Encouragement for the Journey Home, part of our series that we've entitled Seeing a New World. First six chapters was living in a new world. Now we're in the prophetic part, and it is seeing a new world. And my prayer is that God would open up all of our eyes. If you're taking notes, there are four things. You say, no, Pastor Jim, you only usually do three. Well, sometimes two, sometimes one. Sometimes there's no point to the message. So So today there's four. Number one, God wants you to talk to him. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. God wants you to talk to him. Look at verse 20. Now, while I, Daniel, was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, stop. So he's speaking to God. He's talking to God. He's praying. He's confessing. Notice he says, my sin and the sin of my people, Israel. It's very common to hear people say, God answers prayer. But I think if we're honest for a second, there's a little thing deep down inside of us wondering, does he even really hear me? How do I know that he really, 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 really hears me? Well, I can tell you one thing, God hearing and answering your prayer, we see here in verse 20, at least I'll give you hope in this, that being sinless is not a condition of it. (laughs) You say, how do you know? Daniel says, now while I was speaking, talking to God, praying and confessing my sin. Daniel is saying, I'm confessing my sin. Therefore, I will make the case to you that being sinless is not a condition of having to come pray to God. And here we see that confession of sin is not just for salvation. Too often, I think that's the way we've sort of painted it here in America, that you just need to tell God you're a sinner, invite Jesus into your heart, and then you're all good. Don't worry about it. But I think Daniel would say that it's a way of life. I think the apostles would tell us the same thing, that confessing our sins to God is a way of life. 
When we go to the New Testament, Jesus said, just don't pray to be seen. That's what the hypocrites do. Some people only pray to be seen. Matthew 6, 7, and he says, and when you pray, notice he didn't say if you pray. He said, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions. My favorite translation of this has Jesus saying, don't babble. (laughs) As the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Jesus is saying, listen, come on, man, just talk to your heavenly father. And then he gives them a model of prayer, which we know as the Lord's Prayer. Some of us know as the Our Father. Now, I grew up praying the Our Father. I grew up, I had glow-in-the-dark rosary beads. They were way cool. And my mother would say, I want you to pray the rosary before you go to sleep. And being a semi-obedient son, I still fall asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow. Always have, probably, hopefully always will. But I would pray the rosary, if you don't know what it is, 10 Hail Marys, 1 Our Father. What a babbler. (laughs) I was a complete babbler. And then down in verse 12, Jesus says, part of the prayer is, and forgive us our debts. What is that? That's our sin debt to God. That never ends. So here's the basic concept that God hears and answers the prayers of his repentant people. Did we hear that? That was even a part of you becoming a child of God. Now, people will debate with you when someone actually becomes a child of God, when they are born anew, when the Spirit of God comes within them. Some people say it's before you would repent and believe. Some would say after you repent and believe. My answer is this. At some point in time, you still have to repent and believe. (laughs) And so you can talk about that stuff on your own, but this becomes a way of life. It seems for most of us, I think that confessing our sins in our prayer is either kind of quick or it's kind of optional. It's something we really don't think about, but what does it do? It clears the air. Did you ever have an argument with someone and they come and talk to you like the argument never happened? And you're like, shouldn't we really clear the air on this? And and we know it's not God that has to clear the air. I don't know if you've had this feeling. I've had feelings where I've gone to pray before God and God's like, a little something we need to talk about here, Jimbo. (laughs) Something we need to get through before we can really move on to a productive conversation here. Daniel might say to us that confession was the burden or the bedrock of my prayer. It's like what sprung the door wide open. That would probably go under the heading of someone's personal righteousness, but also under the heading of praying for the people of God. Now, why is this so important to confess our sins, our own sins and the sins of others, the body of Christ in general? This is one of the ways that God dispenses mercy. 
mercy is we don't get what we deserve. And so here Daniel is saying, listen, God, I know we are not ready to go home. I know this. I'm confessing our sin for the people, for myself, so we are cleansed, so we're not going to suffer any more of these repercussions for at least for what we've done up until this point in time. Look at the second part of verse 20. It says, and presenting my supplication, some of you have heard it say plea, another version petition, another one request, before the Lord my God for, some version says concerning, the holy mountain of my God. So what is Daniel doing? We'll see as we go along. He is praying for the restoration of worship in Jerusalem. Now, we tend to associate worship with the music time, but this is worship time too. You are hopefully hearing something from God. I care to the best that I can care and work at it that my communication with you is clear. I don't want to sound smart. You're like, don't worry, Jim. I don't want to sound spiritual. That ain't happening either. But I do want to be clear. I want to be very clear. But we tend to, in America, associate worship instead of with it being our whole lives. We are to offer our bodies a living sacrifice, Romans 12. So we don't tend to associate it with listening to the word of God. We tend to associate it with just the music portion. So let's maybe sometimes put that in our kind of way. So he's praying for the restoration of worship in Jerusalem. Do you think he's praying for a performance? Yet how much of worship in America right now in our churches has become performance? So is it important to pray? Listen to what James says, James 5.16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Holman Christian Standard Bible puts it this way, the urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Some of you sitting here, some of you watching online, some of you listening in the radio, you might say, well, I'm not righteous. Well, if you have turned to God and put your trust in Jesus Christ, I've got some really wonderful news for you. A foreign righteousness has come from the outside to you to the inside. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ credited to you. How many times have we said, when you put your trust in Jesus, your sin is in effect laid on him on the cross, and his righteousness is then credited towards you. So if that's you, if it's not you, Put your trust in Jesus today. Have your sin put on Jesus on the cross and have his righteousness credited to you. But if you have done that already, do not let anybody convince you that there is no connection between God's sovereignty and your prayers. Don't let anybody try and convince you of that. There are plenty of people out there that are trying to do that. God said the people are going back in 70 years. 
Daniel knew that. That's God's sovereignty. So what does Daniel do? He gets on his knees. In verse 21, we'll see that the answer to Daniel's prayer is already on the way as soon as he started to pray. But don't say, oh, that's Daniel. Every single follower of Jesus has both the privilege and the responsibility to pray. Has the privilege and the responsibility of coming to God with our cares, with our burdens, as well as the cares and the burdens of other people. But there's more. Notice here that Daniel's prayer is for what? For the glory of God that would be seen in the worship of the people of God. God loves the gathering of his people to worship him. Let's fast forward over 500 years, almost 600 years to the New Testament. 550 years, we come to Jesus. John chapter 4 says this. John chapter 4, 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and now is. He says, it's here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Do you want to be that person? Not too many of you. Maybe five. Do you want to be that person? Okay, that's better. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, some of you are saying, but Pastor Jim, these are dark times. Well, worship is a powerful thing. You say, are you talking about the way we sing? In some ways, yes. In some ways. Again, life is worship, but I do feel that engaged worship poured out to God, not being a spectator. Do you know that's one of the reasons why I say to open your Bible? I know we put the verses up on the screen. Sometimes I'm like, why do we put the verses up on the screen? Maybe one week we won't do it just to make all of you open your Bible. That's worship, opening your Bible. It's the one thing pastors don't like about people using the Bible on their phone. They don't get to hear the pages. Other than that, I don't care. But spectator worship is not going to have that great effect on you. People ask me, what do I think about this showy kind of worshipy thing? And I'm like, I have nothing positive to add to the conversation. I really don't. Who wants to watch other people worship? That's not why God brings us to worship him. God brings us to worship him together. So Daniel seems to have what I would call a sanctified anxiety for the people of God. We might call it a sanctified anxiety for the church. You see, Daniel sees, and maybe you don't see this today, but I want you to see it right now. I want you to see the unseen. 
Daniel sees the easy part. He sees the pressure from the outside. You all see the pressure from the outside world on your faith, don't you? You all see it. If you don't, you're an ostrich. You got your head in the sand. But Daniel also sees the unseen. Daniel sees the apathy in the people of God. Daniel sees that apathy leads to apostasy. If you're apathetic long enough, there's a good chance you're going to walk away from the faith. And he sees that going on inside of God's people. And maybe we need to say to the Lord, I need an x-ray. I need an MRI of my soul. I need you to tell me in all honesty, God, what's really going on in me. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.